0: The second scripture reading this evening comes from Matthew's Gospel. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And I'll be reading tonight from the Message Translation, which you can find in your bulletins there. Let's continue listening for God's word for us here on this Maundy Thursday. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt. Seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God-callers in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. This is the good news of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Maundy Thursday really is a strange night, isn't it? We talk about communion and the Eucharist as the joyful feast of the Lord. And yet, as Jesus says, even now the hand of the betrayer is upon the table. It's a lot to hold, and it's easy to rush on to think about what is to come on Good Friday. But this evening, I wanted to to pause at that table for a moment because i think it's it's a really special and crucial thing to pause at this table is anyone here a foodie a little bit yeah Yeah. everybody yeah you love to eat i think that makes you a foodie i suppose i'm a foodie i come from a long line of foodies my father would always talk about my great-grandfather how he loved to eat but he also loved to watch children eat. It was like it, it like brought so much joy to his life. And then when my family gets together, uh, we tend to spend a lot of time talking about what we're going to cook, what we're going to eat. Anyone else have this experience with their family? Yeah, some don't, some do. Whitney finds it a little obnoxious. Not her family, right? Um, but, but. We will plan our whole visit around what we're going to cook, what we're going to eat. And we'll be sitting at one meal, and we'll be talking about the next one. Can't we just enjoy this meal before we get on to the next? To be a foodie, I think, does not mean that you just eat well, that you like to eat good food. I think being a foodie is about experiencing food in all of its aspects, to experience the whole of a food experience with your whole self. For instance, yesterday, I got to spend some time with Jet, uh, our four year old, preparing the bread for communion here tonight. We, we, he likes to dump the flour into the bowl and we dumped the flour in and we poured the yeast into the water and we added the salt because you gotta have salt in your bread to bring out those God flavors. And, uh, and, and we mixed together the water and the, and the flour. St. Augustine talks about the way flour comes together in a dough only when the water is poured in. He says it's like baptism. Baptism is the thing that draws us in and connects us. And of course, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like yeast added to three measures of flour that leavens and, and raises the bread. And so we were stirring together the water and the flour, and Jet said, I guess it's time to use our hands. It's his favorite part. He sticks his hands in there, and he's just, you know, smooshing together this very sticky dough, and it's getting everywhere. But he, it wasn't just about the smell of the yeast and the water, it wasn't just about knowing how the bread would taste at the other end. It was the touch, the feel of that experience as well. And there was this moment later in the afternoon when he came back and he pulled the towel off the top of the bowl, and he said, look, it rose! It rose! He was so delighted to see this happen, this miracle in a bowl happen. And then later on, after we were baking, the whole house had that smell. You know that smell. Like perfume wafting through every room. I think Jesus was a foodie, too. Food was integral throughout the story of the gospel. It's integral to the story of Jesus' ministry right from the beginning. When Jesus is in the wilderness, one of the temptations that he has to face is the temptation to turn rocks into bread. And he says, man does not live by bread alone. And the key word there is alone. Because Jesus loved bread. He's like Oprah. Loves bread. And then think about his first miracle, right? What is Jesus' first miracle in John's Gospel? He goes to a wedding banquet. It's a celebration. It's a feast. And they run out of wine. But Jesus, Jesus wants the party to keep going. And so what does he do? He turns water into wine. And it importantly says this is not just any old wine. It tastes good. Jesus knows a fine cabernet when he makes one. (laughs) There are, of course, the more obvious examples. There's the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, when a few fish and a few loaves turns into enough. And then there's leftovers. Foodies love leftovers, right? One of the things that Jesus drew ire from, from the religious authorities, is who he would eat with. He would eat with people they would call sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, outcasts, people different from him. But he loved to share a meal. He would go wherever he was invited, I think, just to to see what maybe was on the menu. And, of course, here in, in the gospel passage we heard, Jesus says, I eagerly desired to share the feast of the Passover with you, my friends, this evening. Jesus loved food. He also loved naps, but he loved food, I think, most of all. Many of his parables are about food. He talks about the production of food. He talks about the wheat and the tares, fields growing wheat. He talks about vineyards and honest and dishonest managers who reap, harvests, and produce good wine. He also talks about, his parables talk about the kitchen as well. The parable of the yeast that leavens the bread. He talks about the parable of the salt, as we just heard. And of course, salt has its own flavor, but the main thing salt does is bring out other flavors. To be the salt of the earth, then, doesn't mean to be thick-skinned or tough. To be the salt of the earth means to bring out the best in those around us. It means to be empathetic and loving in the way christ is loving and of course jesus has a parable about eating too the parable of the prodigal son remember the prodigal son comes home and what do they do get the fatted calf we're going to have a party we're going to eat we're going to celebrate and when the prodigal son's brother hears about this he's upset and he says why are you throwing this big this big feast I've never even had a goat slaughtered in my honor. And the father says, we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate because your brother, your brother was lost and now he's found. And we celebrate that. How? By eating. You gotta eat. Even after his death, the way Jesus proves that he is who he is once he is resurrected, is what? He eats breakfast with his disciples. He takes a bit of fish, and he eats it. Surely the disciples would have seen Jesus eat enough to know, ah, that's definitely Jesus. You See, God made us human beings to be sensory beings. He made us to love this world because God loves this world And if Jesus was a foodie, then in some sense, so too God is a foodie as well. My favorite instance of this uh, is in chapter 8 of Genesis, which after the flood, uh, Noah has a burnt offering of some of the animals that, that he has brought out of the ark. He burns the offering and the smell goes up to the Lord. And it says, when the Lord smelt the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. God loves the smell of barbecue so much that he would never scourge the ground again. That's a God that I can get behind. It is fitting, then, that the gift we call communion, With God, this offering of grace in the presence of Christ involves food. And so Jesus came to the table with his disciples. It was set nicely. They had the fancy linens out. It was a fancy dinner for Passover. And then it's the food itself that becomes the focal point. He takes the cup, and he pours it out. And he takes the bread, and he shares it around. And so, too, when we come to the table, we take and eat. We taste and see. Salt and light come together here. I remember the first time I ate communion bread that turned out to be cut up bagels you ever had this? Delicious. Really good for intinction, because it soaks up all the juice. You you remember, have you ever had communion that just tasted so good it sticks in your mind? I know we don't normally give that much thought to what we're putting in our mouths on Sunday morning, but, but just for a moment, think about the taste, because the psalmist says we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. So, too, uh, we pour out this juice, this Concord grape juice. Concord grapes from Concord Mass. This is the fruit of the vine of this very land, described by one um, wine enthusiast as a highly aromatic, tangy, sweet, and uniquely musky flavor. Okay. It's true, we, I think Concord greats get short shrift because we put them in jellies and, and juices and things like this. But there, there is a taste there. You know the taste. And when you taste it, you think, ah, this is Concord. Of course, Concord means peace. There's, of course, the sounds that go with this feast. The great prayer of Thanksgiving, the words of institution, the sounds of the glass cups hitting the pew backs. Or lately, it's the sounds of... Plastic lids being peeled back. And there's the sight. The instructions for how to do communion that they give to us pastors says, make sure when you break that bread, the people see it. You have to see the bread broken. Because that's what Jesus did. He held up the bread in front of them so they could see it. And in seeing that bread broken, Jesus said, this is my body. And so even as they were looking at the bread, they must have seen him, too, standing there. I wonder what he looked like when he broke the bread. Part of me thinks he was sad because he knew what was to come. He knew the betrayer was at the table. He knew it was a dour event that was about to unfold. But part of me thinks he was smiling. Because what did Jesus love more than to break bread and give it to people, to feed them, He loved to do that, like all good foodies love to feed people. And so I picture Jesus breaking that bread with a smile on his face. Maybe a sad smile, but a smile. Pastor Isaac Villegas, who is a Mennonite uh, minister in North Carolina, writes about communion that it astonishes our senses, Communion astonishes the senses with the taste of grace. To break and share the bread is our participation in the exuberance of heaven, the wonders of God's mercy. It testifies to the one who suffered this world's crucifixion, but now offers us a sign of grace, an assurance of mercy that we can hold in our hands. It's a promise that we can taste. And that is not a secret to be kept, but a hard-won and costly taste, a costly feast that we nevertheless gather to enjoy and to share, knowing that Christ meets us here and that he earnestly desires to share in this feast with us. This is the good news of the gospel on this Maundy Thursday. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening. I hope that God's word has come alive and blessed you today. If you want more information about Union Congregational Church, once again, feel free to come and visit us on Sunday morning or online at our website, churchbythepark.org.